This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So we have Republican pollster John McLaughlin, who was just on my podcast and was great. John, hi. Hi, I hope you got ratings. I did. It threw the roof. I'm going to have you back. (laughs) By the way, I understand John has some new polls that that he wants to reveal to us. I love new polls. Breaking news of new polls. I had, right. I had dinner with John last night, and uh, he ate news. enough. It must be a good poll. <laughs> We're giving you a breaking news. It better be good, yeah. John McLaughlin. Uh, well, uh, well, by the way, it was a great dinner last night with Congressman King. Our wives prepped us for, you know, they don't believe these polls all the time, Rosemary and, and my wife Mary. But <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, if Trump, we've got a 1,000 likely voters that we just polled January 19th to 24th nationwide. And uh, last month, Trump led Biden 48-45. Wow. And this month, it's 48-43. And he leads uh, Kamala Harris 50-40. Uh, to 40. So they're not going to let Biden leave just yet for her. But uh, um, it appears that, you know, this uh, the classified documents is definitely playing out to President Trump's favor, where 67% of the voters think it's pretty hypocritical. And when, you know, you find out the idea of, the fact that his son was paying him fifty thousand a month on a home that Zillow says only worth one point three million and could rent for seven thousand in Delaware, he's getting fifty fifty thousand a month from his son, who he's charged of rent at the same time while he's working for the communist Chinese. Fifty eight percent of the voters. So the money goes. Uh, Hunter earns the money, and he pays his father fifty thousand a month rent to live in that house. Yeah, I'd let my kids live in my house for that. <laughs> is that so he could get access? John, was that because he could get easy access to the documents that were next to the Corvette? I've, I I don't know. That's more Congressman King's expertise than mine. But it's definitely helping Donald Trump and it's hurting Joe Biden in these polls right now. So, John, and, uh, how how is Trump doing with other Republicans in a primary? He, he's doing well. We're, we're 58 percent want him to run again. And wow. he's ahead of DeSantis and he's ahead of the field. And uh, he's the front runner. He's, wow. he's, the, he's the one to beat. Like right. we, about we know you represent that. Trump, and you're going to say that regardless. But, uh, th- but, th- but th- tell me who the number two and number three are in the in the race. By the, by the way, if you don't want to believe my poll, there was a Harvard Harris poll with uh, uh, Mark Penn that had Trump as the front runner and leading over uh, uh, DeSantis fifty five forty five, and then there was an Emerson College poll out today that said the same thing nationally but it's a year to go we've got primaries we don't start voting till a year from now all right who's in, number in two Iowa. and three and who's in the basement uh number two is, is DeSantis, but at the on the other hand everybody else is in single digits but my mike pence has gone to like five or six percent do you think the and, document uh, thing will hurt pence or is just this is everyone has documents now so nobody cares you know it was interesting donald trump put out a truth yesterday on his mm-hmm. social media platform, yeah. saying, you know, this is all nonsense. Uh, uh, Mike Pence is a very honest man. Yeah. And uh, and John Solomon's, you know, been saying, the journalist who's been covering this, saying this is a problem with our whole system, that, that these documents are rolling around. I mean, there's a special problem, as Congressman King and I were talking about last night, for Joe Biden, because he had these documents that could have affected his son and his family's clients and he had him at the Penn Center, uh, uh, you know, uh, at the Biden Penn Center. He had him at his home. He had him wherever Hunter was. And I understand, wait, wait, Jimmy Carter found some documents this morning. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm yep. convinced every president, right. uh, you know, has some form of document. It was a, 
it was a red herring when they did it to Trump. But the difference between uh, Biden and and, and Trump is that uh, the question I want to know is uh, how did the Chinese benefit from all of this? Yeah, that's the difference. The potential conflict of the Biden family. They were getting tens of millions of dollars from the communist Chinese. They were getting millions from Ukrainians, from Burisma. Fired a prosecutor. He had a prosecutor fired over John there. John McLaughlin yeah. is is Washington for sale? Um, it seems that way. Sadly, I mean, most people I think would believe that, and uh, uh, you know, it, it, most people that serve in Washington is are probably very good people, and it's a time of sacrifice. So unless we start drawing the line on treason. Way. The word treason, unless we start drawing the line on treason and everything is for sale for money, how is this country going to survive? The people are going to have to vote out the crooks in the elections. We're going to have to make it an issue in elections and go after. And and, uh, and, and we've seen it on the Republican side where people have been voted out. I mean, Laura Curran can speak to that in, in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in Nassau County and uh, people like Pete King, who. Years ago, when I went to work for him, I said, what do you think of term limits? He says, I, I'll, I'll fight for, you know, I, I support them, and I'll stay in Washington as long as it takes to get it passed. <laughs> <laughs> now, Peter, Peter King, 28 years ago, you went to Washington. Right. Actually, 30 years ago. Now, 30 yeah. years ago. Was <clears throat> it that, as bad 30 years ago? No, the climate wasn't as bad. Uh, listen, there's partisanship then. We had Newt Gingrich fighting with Bill Clinton. Having said that, it was nothing like today. You had a yeah, common sense people in both parties. Today, the problem is that with social media, with cable TV, with, uh, uh, you know, the animosity. And the problem is that the rule of thumb, I think Laura would agree with me on this, in the primary, maybe 15% of the voters come out. Also, 10% of each party are crazy, and that 10% is going to come out. Uh, John, I mean, you saw Some breaking news. I got it from Noam. Facebook and Instagram will reinstate Donald Trump in a few weeks. Wow, then his ratings are going to go, I don't know, plummet or go sky high. He could go either way. I mean, regardless of that, the, 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 the good news about that is it's a victory for free speech. He should have never been censored. Um, you know, if you're in the United States, we got a constitution, yeah. we got a, a freedom of the press, you got free, you know, they, they, these, these people, they suspended the New York Post on Twitter after they came with the story about, you know, uh, Hunter Biden and his laptop before the election. I mean, people need to know these things in elections. So let the information go out. And, you know, it's one thing if people are threatening violence or committing crimes, but free speech and political campaigns and freedom of the press, you know, you got that's good that they're going to do that. So that's important that we don't let them do that again to especially the president of the United States. So, John McLaughlin, thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We have retired four-star General John Keene. Uh, General Keene, thank you so much for joining us at Cats at Night. Yeah, most people refer to me as Jack, but delighted Jack. to be here. We'll call you Jack. Well, Jack, uh, what what the heck is going on uh, over on the other side? I understand uh, we're finally sending uh, tanks over to uh, the Ukraine, and, uh, and Poland is sending some too. Germany, what's going on? Yeah, well, what's happening is the the Russians are defending hundreds of of the defensive line uh, in Ukraine. They've been largely static. They haven't been doing much 
attacking except some very modest attacks in a couple of areas and given up huge casualties in doing so. And as such, uh, they've been in these defensive positions for a month with low morale, uh, poorly trained, not particularly well equipped, uh, although they are dug in. And the, and the Ukrainians have a real opportunity here to attack and retake some territory. And what they've been requesting is to be able to penetrate through those defensive lines. They need not just the infantry carriers that they requested, and we've been providing them, artillery, which we've been providing them, and also long-range precision weapons, which we have provided some of. They want tanks, which makes the penetration, along with the, uh, the infantry to help them overcome the obstacles. That's why uh, they requested it. And now, finally, the, the United States, who was reluctant to give them any of our Abrams M1 tanks, have finally made a decision to do just that. And other European countries will give them the German tanks, the so-called Leopard 2, that they have as well. And there's about five or six countries that, that have those uh, Leopard tanks. And, and as soon as we can get this to them, it's going to be very helpful, but it'll take a number of weeks, obviously, for that to happen. For the Leopard uh, tanks, General, it'll likely take months for the Abrams tanks. Yeah, General, this is Pete King. On the Abrams tanks, uh, what uh, what about the issue of them having to use jet fuel and how that is impacted by a supply line? Well, there's logistical and maintenance challenges with it, but uh, we can put just about any, any fuel in that, to tell you the truth. It, it, the maintaining a jet engine, a turbine engine, is more challenging. What we have to do is put the maintenance and the logistical infrastructure in there so that the Ukrainians can take care, care of it. Listen, so our audience understands the Iraqis have had M1 tanks for a long time and, and using them quite capably. We put the infrastructure in so that they could maintain the tanks, and we trained them on it. So. Obviously, the Ukrainians, who are very quick, technologically savvy, will be able to deal with it. We just have to do what's right to set them up for success. How fast is that tank, General? Is it 60 miles an hour, I read somewhere? Yeah, it's 60 miles an hour on uh, flat terrain. You know, uh, wow. But it's, it's the most sophisticated tank uh, uh, in the world. The Leopard tank is, doesn't have as many logistical and maintenance problems associated with it. So it'll be a lot easier uh, for the Ukrainians to use that tank. And this is, this is the German, the German tank. So general, hopefully they'll get a couple of hundred of those in addition to a nominal amount of Abrams tanks, initially about 30. It seemed like the Germans were getting a little bit wobbly on whether they were comfortable sending them. Did that surprise you? (laughs) It did a little bit, but they, they've been wobbly uh, after their initial goals when Schultz came in saying that he was going to fully support the Ukrainians and he was going to double down on his defense budget and meet the 2%. So he's been walking some of that back. Hmm. What happened here is uh, two things. One, he didn't want to be the first country to provide main battle tanks uh, because he fears and it could escalate the war, and he doesn't want the rose pinned on him by the Russians for doing that. Second, he has within his own political party uh, people who are opposed to any demonstrative 
military aggression going back yeah. to the post-World War II era that they're dealing with. And that is why many of us were saying, listen, America, give them the Abrams tanks first, and the Germans will get the political cover from the United States for doing that, and then they'll fall in and give the Leopard tanks. We should have done that weeks ago and taken the burden off the, the German shoulders. Yes, I think that... that the Germans' concerns here are a little bit unfounded in terms of escalation, and they should take counsel of their fears a little bit, which I think at times the United States has to do as well. How do you feel with those here in America who say, ah, it's a lot of money, we're giving it to the Ukrainians, we need it here, we need to help our people? I mean, in my opinion is this you know russia is a is a bad enemy that must be stopped uh but how do you respond what is your feeling on that well yeah you're absolutely right i mean russia is on the move uh not a lot different than uh what hitler was on the move in the late 1930s yeah and the country people were war weary at the time from world war one and they threw up their hands you know didn't want to get involved and look what happened uh russia's on the move here and if we don't stop them in Ukraine, it's going to get worse for us in terms of our involvement. Now we have an opportunity to stop them without having to send any troops, right. without even having to send any airplanes, or we, in terms of pilots. They, they just need the equipment. And I think we've got to stop the Russians right here. And listen, when it comes to money— we're $27.8 billion military assistance. Well, Most of that goes to our defense industry. There's no handout here of money to the Ukrainians. Mm. And that is that is so small compared to the 6 to $7 trillion budget that the United States has right now. And, and the degree that this administration is spending money and what they're spending money on, you know, is, is eye-watering in my view. And and this is really small potatoes by comparison in terms of the amount of money. I mean, a billion dollars is a huge amount of money, but compared to the six or seven trillion dollar budget and what we're getting in return for it is extraordinary. So, yeah, it's worth that expenditure. But, General, uh, how many tanks between Poland and the United States, how many tanks do you think we're sending? Well, we're, we're, prom- we're pledging 30. Uh, the Poles... Are right. Uh, the Germans are pledging fourteen. The Poles, the Spain, Spanish, uh, Finland, and others—they have hundreds of tanks. I'm hoping that. Yeah, but but how many do? How many are we? How many on the other side of the fence? How many do the Russians have? I heard something of thousands and thousands. Well, the Russians do have. Uh, thousands of tanks. They started out that way, but yeah, we also we've knocked out about fifteen hundred of their tanks. They have lost considerable amount of tanks, and actually, the Ukrainians have repaired Russian tanks that they destroyed, and they're driving them. Uh, but I, if we get, uh, I hope we get a couple of hundred of these Leopard tanks out of the Europeans. That will really help the Ukrainians to go on. Thank you. Tanks. Thank you, General Thank you, Jack Keane. Thank you for your service. Thank you for breaking this down for us. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On the phone. Uh, we can talk about this breaking Twitter news with Charlie Gasparino. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Yeah, Thanks for having me. You got it. 
Uh, so breaking news, Trump is back on Facebook. He's going to be back on Twitter. Uh, but we were kicking this around. Do you think Twitter is broken uh, with Elon Musk having fired almost every, you know, half of the people not paying his rent? Is it Can, can it be able to come back? Uh, I don't know. I just did something. Just tweeted something. Oh, you did, so, and it worked. Okay. Oh, tell us, tell us what you tell us what you just tweeted. Okay, now this is a pretty big story, and it's important uh, because it's in light of the uh, the major snafu yesterday at the New York Stock Exchange, which costs re- average investors lots of money. So essentially, if you put an order in in the morning, uh, you got screwed with bad pricing, and you lost a lot of money, uh, either buying or selling. And so all the major brokerage firms are let's say, not happy because their clients are not happy. Uh, We're talking probably $2 billion here. And it's pitting major brokerage firms. What happened? Uh, Don't assume everybody – we have a million listeners out there from from Miami all the way up to Canada. Now, just so you know, I'm not an expert at exactly the plumbing of the market. Not a lot of people are. What happened? But what happened, if you put a trade in, say – Monday night, you wanted to trade Amazon. You wanted to sell it, right? Yes. You call, you do it through your discount brokers. The next day it would happen. Um, or, you know, you did it that morning, right before the market opened. If you sold it or bought it, and I think those were, I think Amazon was one of the stocks. It was mostly these blue chip names. Um, you got wrong pricing. Your pricing was bad. Why? And you lost some money. How bad? Uh significantly bad way off the mark why um, charlie so and now why did that why that happened apparently somebody didn't uh, press a button that wow. allowed the system to kick in where the guys on the floor would be able to process the order in the right way hmm. okay so i'm being i'm being sort of 30,000 feet here because this stuff is very complicated the plumbing is it what isn't complicated is that a lot of average people lost money your viewers your listeners lost money uh, and now it's like open war at the New York Stock Exchange the big brokerage firms are going crazy they're demanding uh they're demanding money back um Charles Schwab just put out a statement saying the, the New York Stock Exchange screwed us. I mean, they just sent me this is Charles Schwab, not exactly, you know, a company that average people don't deal with. Hmm. Um, so this is keep an eye on this. This is going to be a big issue, and a lot of people got screwed. We're talking about two thousand eight hundred twenty-four securities that um, had bad pricing. Right. And you know it's it's really a headache. It's it's crazy. I mean, we're talking about McDonald's, Walmart. I mean, you know, you name it. And, so, uh, so it involves two billion dollars. That's what we're hearing. And they think it's human, just some sort of human being, not asleep at the switch. Somebody didn't press the button, or someone pressed the wrong button. And, 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 and what is that? The, Heads uh, are going to uh, roll. Not pressing the button. Well, it did happen last week. This last week on, it this happened, happened with the on, airlines. This, this, this happened well, Tuesday morning. Well, well, yeah, well I mean, last week it happened with the airlines that somebody didn't press the right button, and, and I understand notums and care as a pilot. Notums, you know what notums are? Yes. Uh, it, it's a notice to airmen of what situations are going on on in different airports, like snow, icy conditions, and. It shut down the whole air system. Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. You know, as much as we like to think everything runs smoothly and, you know, there's never a uh, – there's never – you know, it's all computers that run smoothly. Like, there are humans that are involved in, you know. Hey, hey Charlie, um, look, what, what John was just talking about also happened in Canada, which I don't buy. I don't buy some guy ate some bat meat and the world got sick, you know, so <laughs> – 
I, I, I don't, don't buy, buy that. No, I don't buy it. Uh, you know, and I know our government would never admit to being hacked. Um, is there a possibility this was a hack job? You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I had a, I don't want to say his name. He's a colleague, very famous colleague of mine, who thinks the same thing. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, you're not, you're not alone. Who thinks there's a rat here? You know. Um, you know, these sort of things kind of people are feeling these days that nobody's really in charge. And these kinds of mishaps for really important things. Air travel is really important. Uh, trading stocks is really important to the economy, yeah. to the country. Yeah. I mean, uh, who's in charge? Yeah, I mean, yes. And that, that's a problem. And, uh, you know, and by the way, on top of it all, the SEC is trying to change the way you know most of this stuff goes okay. They're going to add even more complexity to the system because I think there's some funny stuff going on. Instead of saying, hey, let, guys, get your uh, get your acts together on your computer programming. I mean, you know, the Times has a good paragraph in its story. and Let me just read this to you. Tobacco company Altria ended Monday at a price of $44.81. It opened Tuesday up over 15% at 51.57, wow. which appeared to set the stock's lower trading limit 5% lower. Yet, within milliseconds of the trades were executed, you had all these bogus trades that jumped out, and all that stuff was false, and people lost money on it, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about here. This is crazy stuff, man. And, you know, it's, 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 you know the understanding the guts of the market is, is not easy to explain to a layperson. But believe me, average people, pensioners, teachers, people who trade stocks, everybody trades stocks these days. I don't because I cover so many of the companies. I can't trade the specific companies, but most people trade stocks. They got hurt in this thing. Shows how vulnerable we are as the more we, we electrify. If, if, if a fat guy with a fat finger yeah. could screw this up, could you imagine if a terrorist wants to screw it up? Yeah. Oh, God. Don't that's give why they should ideas. be focusing on this and not changing the entire structure of the market because this is not necessarily a market structure problem. This is a problem of bad technology or faulty technology or technology glitch. This doesn't mean that the market is not operating against the little guy. This means someone could theoretically hack into the system of the New York Stock Exchange as someone just brought up. I, who, who Was that Rudy? That, that was Rudy. Yeah, yeah Rudy. So, so Rudy mentioned that. That's, like I said, very famous colleague of mine <laughs> said the same thing to me. Did he? Uh, so that's, that's something within the New York Stock Exchange, and it reverberated through the markets because, you know, New York Stock Exchange sets the prices for the trading of not just the stocks on the stock exchange, but stocks that are New York Stock Exchange listed. They have the imprimatur of a listing of the New York Stock Exchange that could trade on other exchanges. So all this impacted all the other stock trades. Let me ask you a silly question. How about the 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 people that that trade within milliseconds? How did it impact them? It apparently did. Okay, now they're they got computer programs that smell it fast and stop, you know. But remember, when they trade in milliseconds, they're trading huge volumes in milliseconds. So those 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 crappy pricing, excuse my French, kind of hit them as well. So, but but if it hit them. Is it possible that they're the ones that created the problem? No, I don't think so. Well, think about it pretty carefully. Think about it. You know, uh, I don't think. I mean, well, did they did they flood the market with so many trades yesterday that it it it, it no they 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 found what the thing was. They didn't press a button. I mean, I'm serious. It, it's it's hard to believe. I, it's not for me when you when you know when you I, I've covered this for so long. I'm telling you that they this was a this was a simple screw up that led to something big, or it was a hack or something. I mean, Charlie, oh, no. What I would say, what I would say, 
is that a bunch of hedge funds could have crapped it out, reduced it, nobody caught it. But why would they want to do that? Because maybe they were short. So they're short the market, so they want to drive it up or down. I mean, up or down. I mean, they, you they, remember hedge funds, but you know, John, remember when you say that they're not all short. I'm just giving you a, a, that it created a situation. I know, like but they're not long and short. They're long and short hedge yeah. funds. There are very few pure short hedge funds out there, and they don't have this the size and scale. As a matter of fact, these sort of um, rapid fire traders are generally long stocks. They're trading through, trading up and down, you know? Charlie Gasparino. Sorry. Charlie, thank you so much. We got to unfortunately end it, but this was fascinating. Thank you. (laughs) All right. You're you're great. I'm telling you. You're great. Anytime, John. Thanks. Thank you you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. And I understand we have uh, uh, Councilman Christopher Marte on, and uh, he has some more information. You know, we've been yelling about this these 5G towers that are going up that could hurt people, according to that New Hampshire survey. And, uh, Councilman, I understand you, you have other concerns about the 5G uh, antennas going up? Yeah, th- thank you, John, for having me on today. Yeah, so today we had a press conference. Um, asking for a moratorium on these 5G towers down in my district, uh, which represents most of Lower Manhattan. But in Chinatown and the Lower East Side, we've experienced a rapid increase in these massive 5G towers without any community input, without any engagement with our council office or the community boards. And we feel like because these structures are so large and, you know, create obstruction on the sidewalk, there should be some sort of process to have the community to give some feedback. Have you seen the report that New Hampshire, the bipartisan uh, in New Hampshire did between um, that people should be 1,560 feet away from a 5G antenna, otherwise it's going to hurt them? I, I, I haven't reviewed that studies and I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert when it comes to the, the health concerns or, or the science on, on radi- radiation. I, I believe that with every government process, there should be community input um, and there should be engagement, uh, yeah. whether it's the concerns that you address or the concerns that we have in regards to where they place them, how many do they place in a neighborhood. Or, you know, there was a proposal even to put them in, in landmark districts that would change the aesthetics of, of that community. And so I just feel like government doesn't work when the government is not working with the people. And so, so you know, I th- we have Rudy Washington here, who's former deputy mayor. I'm former county exec. And I think, Rudy, you would agree when you're doing something controversial or you're doing anything in a community, public engagement. Talking with the stakeholders, hearing their concerns is incredibly important, right? Government is empowered by the government. Yeah. So um, while he was speaking, I was thinking, Laura, if there was a hook for an environmental impact study based upon what John was just saying and the impact it's going to have on the environment. Uh, And um, I know from experience, and I'm sure you know from experience, when somebody or community bring that lawsuit, it could be tied up for years. Um, um, you know, so I was just trying to think about a hook mm. 
uh, for an environmental impact study that the councilman could talk to Speaker Adams to bring on uh, his constituents' behalf. I don't know legally if, you know, I'm, I'm sorry the judge had to run out, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. pose the question to the judge because, you know, he and I did a lot of these type of things. I'm sure. Yeah, but they, 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 it was supposed to be they put it uh, on the table so like in 60 days it should go in effect. And, and nobody has really talked about the uh, uh, the effects of uh, of those antennas. Well, yeah, John, I have a whole problem with the notion of like what happened with the $1.7 trillion. You put it in front of a, con- a congressman and say vote the next morning. And, you know, nobody reads it. Nobody, you know? nobody reads it. Right. I mean, so, you know, on a local level, you, you have the same thing where – they just put something out there and you just vote on it. And there is no input uh, from the community or so the community ca- boards. Councilman, Councilman, what are you hearing from the community? What are they worried about? Um, they're worried about a number of things, right? So we're talking about public space. And most of these are put in sidewalks where there's heavy congestion already, right? When you walk through Chinatowns, the streets are smaller, the sidewalks are smaller. And so if you have a senior that's in a wheelchair or has a pusher, mm-hmm it makes it much harder for them to get from point A to point B in a community that they were born and raised and lived for decades and now want to age in place. Um, In other areas, like in Soho, people have a concern that these structures are just going to don't go with the fabric of the community. And one of the things that was more eye-catching for me, one of the proposed locations was on the corner of Prince and Green, which is one block away from the Apple store that already offers free Wi-Fi. And so I feel like there isn't a plan in place right now of where these well, where these hours should be. Councilman, I'm afraid it's going to kill us. That's what I'm afraid of. I mean, <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't look good that much. But if it's, but if it's giving out enough radiation that it'll affect your people's health, I think people are entitled to know about it. Uh, you know, make sure... Uh, uh, George Venizelos, make sure, I think uh, Judge Weinberg has it in his computer, mm-hmm. that 300-page study from New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Make sure we send one to the councilman. Definitely. Well, thank you, councilman, for coming on. And uh, we're going to get you a copy of that study. And it was, uh, it was bipartisan. There was not uh, prejudice in any way. And uh, they say if, if you're within 1,560 feet, which is four city blocks or five city blocks, that it's going to affect you. So let's see what happens. But at least somebody should should uh, investigate. That's more important. Your people's health is more important than if it doesn't look good. But thank you so much. And please, we'll send it to you. Please come back to us and give us your interpretation. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On the line with us now, we have Dr. Stephen Soloway, who has written a couple of uh, hot books, believe it or not, about uh, problems in the medical, in, with our medical system. Uh, what, this latest one is called Bad Medicine. And I just have to say, I, I just had a, a minor surgery recently and dealing with insurance these days. I'm sure everyone can kvetch about yeah. this like anyone else, but... Dealing with insurance, dealing with these, these, it seems to be getting, Dr. Soloway, more complicated, more difficult, and more punitive by the day. What's going on? So normally I would have said to you that we're in a socialized medical system, but 
things are so bad, I'm really thinking we're practicing in a communist country. You're 100% right. A person goes to the doctor and, you know, hey, doc, I have this wrong with me. Oh, no problem. You know, we're going to get a test. No, you're not. It's not approved by the insurance company. What are you talking about? I paid my premium. I have insurance. Sorry. Um, You go to the hospital. Um, your doctor, uh, he's not there. What do you mean? Oh, no, no, sorry. The, the hospital system was paid by the government to buy up all the doctors, and now they have shift workers. So now you lost your care, you lost your doctor, and now they won't even get all the testing that you need because you're the poor soul who has insurance. You have to pay your premium. Even if you want to pay cash, that's considered fraud, and you're screwed. So the system has collapsed around us, and in the last one to two years, it's gotten much worse, and it's spiraling out of control. This started with Obama. Well, it started back with the the, the New Deal, and then LBJ, and Obama really put some – I'll say he put tar around it. He didn't put a nail in the coffin because I do think that one day the the, the doctors will have to stop taking insurances and people will have to pay cash and the system and the pendulum will swing back eventually. But in the near future, your health care is in the care of people that don't know what they're doing, don't care. They're shift workers. Your insurance denies everything. It's a rote response. You essentially need a lawyer, an advocate, um, a lobbyist, a friendly senator and congressman to fight on your behalf to get tests that you need done. If you're not in the medical field and you don't know somebody in the medical field, you know, good luck to you because you're not going to get very far. Your follow-up's going to be in seven months because you need to see that one doctor and the system shifts him from office to office to office and nobody knows what's going on. If, God forbid, the doctor goes past 15 minutes and doesn't look at that computer. If he tick, he or she picks his head up and looks at you as the patient, oh my God, he's not going to meet his, his time requirements for the amount of patients in a day. The hospital's not going to get their profit, and then they'll fire that doctor. It is a disaster. So who's making out from all of this? There's got to be a reason why uh, the system is sort of going in this way. And I, I think well, as if you're you, speaking... If you, have a medical, if you have a medical plan and they say, like, for instance, I, I remember when I had to take, I wanted to have tests made for my um, lead, arsenic, and what's the three metals? Lead, arsenic, and mercury. And mercury. They said it's not normally approved. They have to get permission or something from, yeah, from the health. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, so the, I- the, in, in that way, they don't have to, the health care companies, like, uh, I'm not going to say it's Blue Cross, but the Blue Cross type companies. Yes. They don't have to pay. So that's right. The private you may insurance die companies... because you have too much mercury in your system, but they don't have to pay for it. And the... so, so you know what I tell my doctor? Here's my American Express card. I want all the damn tests. And if you, if they don't, the insurance company doesn't want to pay, charge my American Express card. But I think You're anyone who's to... been through the medical anything medical recently, as you, as you were speaking, Doctor Soloway, uh, it's it's ex- that's exactly right. They're shuffled around from office to office. You have to wait months to see them, and not everyone has that American Express card that can afford to pay for it. You know, so who who's making out here? Sounds like a racket. Um, everything starts with government overreach. There's yeah. absolutely no question about that. I hate to say but... it, but I think you're right. Um, well, you have I mean, a new book out. Yeah, we the talked main, about the that. The book is called Bad Medicine. And Medical Politics. And Medical Politics. And there's a lot of medical politics. 
uh, you know, especially with the uh, with the vaccines, I thought something smelled when the government went into a federal court and says we want to lock up all the side effects for 75 years. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's what do they say? It stinks from the head down. Mm-hmm. So take that for what it's worth. That's a true statement. And now it's now that the people are finding out that it's causing more heart attacks than ever before. Do your research, and it's causing more blood clots than ever before, and people are dying. Just so happens I had blood clots throughout my lungs for the last three months. Hmm. Well, I'm a healthy swimmer. Well, Dr. Dr. Soloway, uh, the name of the book is Bad Medicine, Stephen Soloway. I'm sure it's available uh, at... uh, It's badmedicinebook.net. For a signed copy by me, badmedicinebook.net. Well, thank you so much, Doctor, and thank you for coming on. It was my honor. It was my honor. Thank you. I am born and raised in Queens. I love you guys. You're a Queens boy. We love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.